Well, good evening and welcome again to Sunday night service here at Moody Church. My name is Pastor Michael and we're beginning a new series tonight titled Words as we think about the words that we use and the power and the significance of them. About 10 years ago, there was a movie that came out titled A Thousand Words, and the main character was named Jack McCall. It was played by Eddie Murphy, and he was a literary agent who, for lack of better terms, was a fast, fast talker. Excuse me. He loved to wheel and to make deals, and he could convince almost anyone to sign a contract with him. As the movie goes, one of his contracts kind of went bad, and eventually there became a tree in his backyard when he got home that night. And he discovered that this tree in his backyard had a thousand leaves on it, and for every word that he spoke, a leaf fell off. He had a thousand words to use. Of course, like you or me, he tried different ways to get around it. He thought, well, maybe I could write things down and that wouldn't count, but he wrote and leaves fell off. He thought, well, maybe I could use hand motions and expressions, but that could get it to work. But no, the leaves would still fall off for that. And I love the the idea of this movie because it just reminds us of what, what would we do? What would we say if we only had a limited number of words? It places a greater weight, places a greater responsibility that his character suddenly had to wrestle through with a very limited resource. How did he want to spend this very valuable resource, which is his words? See, in this series, we're going to look at the significance and the importance of the words that we use. See, a wise person stewards well the resources that they are given, especially when those are limited resources. Like many of you, most if not all of us, we need to steward well the money that we have because unless you're a billionaire or something, we have limited amounts of it and you just don't want to go about spewing your money away suddenly for it to no longer be there. And we will take great plans and tracking our dollars and planning how to spend them and budgeting and making sure our finances are in order. Why? Because it's a resource we need to steward well. I want us to think the next month about stewarding our words well. The average person, some studies have found, use approximately 16,000 words a day. 16,000. That's a lot of words that we use. Some of us use less words than that. Some of us, probably myself included, lots of days use more than 16,000 words. But of the 16,000 words that we may have used today, how many of them were just thoughtless? How many of them just came out without any intentionality behind, behind them? How many of them did really think through the significance of them? And so tonight, as we begin this series, we're going to look at three reasons that we need to be good stewards of our words. Three reasons why we need to be good stewards of our words. The first reason is simply this, is that our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. They have a great significance and an ability to make a great impact on both our lives as well as the lives of people around us. 
a famous passage in the book of James talking about the power of words. It's in James chapter 3, where the author uses different metaphors to convey this idea of the power of the tongue. He says this in James chapter 3, verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. See, just because our words may seem small, it doesn't mean that they are insignificant. Small things such as the tongue, our words, can have a huge impact around us. Think of, if you would with me, a dangerous animal. All right, just pause real quick. Think of what, if you were to think of, man, what is one of the most dangerous animals I could think of? What animal comes to mind for you? Maybe it's a lion. That would be scary. Maybe it's a bear or a tiger, some, some large mammal. Maybe it's a, a shark. But did you know that probably the most dangerous animal, especially the most dangerous animal for us as humans, when you actually look at it, is not some large mammal that we could encounter. It's not some shark or whale that's swimming in the ocean. The most deadly animal in the world is actually the mosquito. The mosquito. Yeah, just a small insect that I think I got bit by one last night as I was sitting outside. The mosquito is a deadly animal because it carries a disease called malaria, which kills approximately one million people a year. See, it's a small, seemingly insignificant thing, but it carries a deadly disease. And if you've ever traveled to an area of the world that's affected by malaria like I have, you'll know the precautions that go into it, the medicine that you have to take, the mosquito nets that are put up, all because of just a small, insignificant seemingly thing, but has a dangerous impact. See, our words are powerful, but here's the good news for us today. It is up to us to decide what kind of power we yield with our words. It is up to us to decide what kind of power we yield with our words. See, the author of Proverbs warns us or guides us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, when he says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, our words have the power for great harm. They have, as the author of the Proverbs say they have power of death. Death can come through our words. And if we were here together and had a chance to sit down and chat, it wouldn't be hard for many of us to remember decades ago mean things that were said to us when we were kids. Things that were insulted at us by our classmates at school. I don't know. I, I had glasses at a very young age. I remember being called four eyes as a little kid and how embarrassed and how upset that made me. And we could think of all the, the mean things that were said to us decades ago, but they would quickly come back to our memory. Why? Because words are powerful. But in an even more significant way, in a much more significant way, 
when these harmful words are spoken, not just in jest or in teasing by a classmate, but when these harmful words are spoken by someone who has authority over our lives, it can have devastating consequences. For some of us, we may have had people who we looked up to, coaches, teachers, parents, grandparents, who spoke words of harm and words of death into our lives. And they've caused such deep wounds for us that we are living years and years later out of that woundedness of our soul, not necessarily because of a physical action that was done to us, but simply because of words that were spoken to us. Some of us still wrestle with our identities, our intelligence, our competence. Why? Because we were told by people when we were young that we were stupid or we were ugly or that we didn't matter. And those words carry a great weight in our lives. So words have the power to harm and bring death, but words also have the power to bring life. Words have the power to bring so much good. See, just as there is much potential for bad in our words, there is just as much potential for good in our words as well. And if we were, again, to be here and talk to one another, I could tell you of the impact that people have had on my life due to the power of words spoken in and over me when I was younger. I specifically remember times when I was in high school processing through over what I wanted to do with my life, that I had a small group leader, I had a youth pastor, and I had both of my parents speak positive words over me. And God has guided my path in many ways, but I'm, I'm confident that one of the reasons that I'm standing here before you as a pastor tonight is because of the words that people spoke to me when I was younger. Those helped shape and guide and mold my life in a positive way. So our words have great power for good or for bad, for life or for death. Right now, I want you to think of who can you speak words to of life? Who can you speak to tonight that would bring about great good? Who can you text tonight? Who can you call? Maybe it's just a note of encouragement. Maybe it's a a call just to thank someone for something. Maybe it's you just want to tell someone how you see God working in them, but your words bring power and they have power for people. So really, I want you to think of one person tonight who after watching this, or hey, if you want, you can multitask, text them right now and just speak a word of truth and a word of life into their lives because our words have great power. The second reason that we need to steward our words well is that our words are revealing. Our words are Revealing. And what I mean by that is that our words show the character that is down inside each and every one of us. This idea is all over the New Testament, and perhaps it's best summarized for, for me at least in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. It says this in Luke 6, starting at verse 43 For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, but the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. And get this, 
For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts come our words. See, this is a scary truth that our words reveal what's been inside of us all along. See, the outer shell that we have around us can trick people into what's going on on the inside. Like a lot of us watching this tonight, I have been a Christian and I've been going to church for as long as I can remember. And you know what's really easy for me sometimes is to put on kind of this outer shell of perfection, to try and show everyone what's going on, that everything is good, that I can hide who I really am. But if you were to spend enough time with me, if you were to watch and and to see a videotape over and over of my life, you would start to see some of the things in my heart come out through the words that I speak. Because our words just are those things that truly reveal what's inside of us. It's like an apple that on the outside looks perfect and it looks magnificent, but yet when you cut into it, you see it's rotten at its core. Our words are the things that cut us open and reveal what is going on inside of us. See, as we think about our words, I don't want us just to start to think that this is a moralistic thing, that we can just maybe pick up a few, a few habits and that our lives will be better. Now, when we think about our words, what we really need to seek is God's help in transforming our hearts. We need to not just ask for better words, but we need to ask God to shape our hearts. If you want to honor God more in this area, if you want your words, since they have such power, to speak life into the people around you, may I suggest that our words that we use should start to become more and more a matter of prayer in our lives. If you don't know what to pray, may I suggest simply perhaps what the psalmist prayed in Psalm chapter 141, when he said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I love that. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Because he realized the potential that his words had and how it revealed what was in his heart. In the Psalms, that same psalmist, Psalm David says earlier, create in me a clean heart. Because it's from the heart that our words overflow. And so make it a matter of prayer in your life. That God would transform not just your words, yes, but transform your heart as well. Because when we think of the things that come out of our mouths, the scarier thing even is where those things came from. And those things reveal our character. They reveal who we are on the inside. The third reason that we need to steward our words well is that our words shape our faith. Our words, the words that we use, shape our faith, our belief, our trust. Speaking our faith, our beliefs, our testimonies is a matter of how we grow in our faith. You perhaps have heard this expression before that you haven't really learned something until you've learned it good enough to then teach it or or give the words to it to someone else. And it's the same way when it comes to our faith. So So when we think of our words shaping our faith. What kind of words should we be thinking of? Who do we need to speak these words 
too. I want us to think of three different categories tonight. The first person you need to speak the words of faith to, speak the gospel to, is yourself. Yes, start with you. You need to speak the gospel to yourself. A great example of this is found in the Psalms, where the psalmist is pouring out his heart before God. And then I love it. Often in the Psalms, there's this twist where he then takes the truth of what he knows about God and he preaches to himself. An example of this is in Psalm 42 and 43, where he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's not preaching to anyone else. He's preaching to himself. We need to first preach the gospel to ourselves. See, the gospel has the answer to every core question that we would ask ourselves. And we need to speak the truth of God's word into our own lives. This is not some self-help thing like just pep yourself up with a good pep talk every morning. Your day will be better. No, but when you feel unworthy, speak the truth of God's love into your life. When you feel like what you've done is too far gone that no one could forgive you, speak the truth of God's grace and forgiveness into your own life. For every question you have about who you are, God's word has a powerful answer. So the first thing that we need to do in speaking the gospel is we need to speak the gospel to ourselves. Secondly is speaking the gospel to other believers. Speaking the gospel to other believers, this is in some traditions known as testifying. Testifying of what God has done. We don't do this very often here at Moody Church, but I know in in other church contexts that it's quite common that when the people of God would gather together, that there would be microphones down front. That as part of their regular worship, there would be opportunities for people to come forward and not just share gossip or share how their week was, but to testify, to say, hey, this is how I saw God at work in my life. This is where I saw the character of God revealed to me this week. And they're speaking the truth of the gospel to one another. What if social media, instead of being filled with so much of the opinionated things that it is, instead of being filled with some of the nonsense that it is, what if our social media feeds were filled with testifying of the goodness of God in our lives? testifying of the grace of God that we have seen today, of the faithfulness of God that we've experienced in our lives. We need to speak the truth of the gospel to ourselves and then to one another as well. See, it's interesting when when we think about how this is done in a corporate setting, it's yes, it's done through testifying, but another way that we do this is when we worship together as God's people. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, It says this, that we should address one another. Many translations actually translate that speaking to one another. This is talking about our words, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This is a reminder again that one of the important things about worship is that it's not meant to be a solo exercise, but it's meant to be done with the body of Christ. 
of all the things that I have missed the last three and a half months now, since we have been unable to gather together, I'm, yes, honestly, I'm quite sick and tired of preaching to a camera. I wish you were here with me. But I think that the greatest thing that I miss that I am so looking forward to is when our church meets again and we sing together the truth of God's word. See, as we corporately gather together, worship is not just meant to be, I put together a good playlist and I throw in my earbuds and that's how I sing to God. But singing the truth of God is an act where to one another, we proclaim the gospel to each other. We remind each other through song of God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness, his greatness, his majesty, and his glory. And I hope maybe in this time you've sensed that you need that because that's just been missing due to the conditions in which we find ourselves and that your heart is longing for the day where you can speak the gospel to one another, to other believers through singing. So we speak the gospel to ourselves. We speak the gospel to other believers. And thirdly, the gospel, our words shape our faith because we speak, excuse me, we speak the gospel to non-believers, to those who are outside of the body of Christ. Now, in my experience, this is probably what we often struggle with the most as followers of Jesus, is speaking the truth of the gospel clearly to others. As part of my role here, I get to interview a lot of people from our church who work with children and youth ministry. And we, they fill out, they go through an application process. And there's a face-to-face interview with everyone who works with our kids. And in the interview, here's a little secret if you're ever going to go for it. There's really two questions that are asked. The first is just we want to know about their faith journey, their home, how they came to know Jesus. And the second question is simply this, how would you share the gospel with someone? A question that's not too intimidating that you would expect that for most people who have grown up or have followed Jesus for a long time would be easy to give language to. And it's always struck me at how difficult it is sometimes for people. Now I get sometimes they're nervous, right? Like it's like, okay, there's like three pastors here. They're looking at me and they're asking me to preach the gospel. Like this is intimidating. But I've been through enough of them that I've been shocked just at how inarticulate people often are about their faith. And it's common that after they talk for several minutes, I'll just have to graciously kind of intervene and just be like, so tell me, how does Jesus impact some of this? And they're like, oh yeah, Jesus, I forgot to talk about him. And they'll, they'll, they'll do more. And they, they believe the right things. They know the gospel, but they haven't been able to articulate it. And as Amanda Drury in her book, Saying is Believing, writes, she says, well, articulation will not affect my status before God it does affect the way I understand God to be at work in my life and how I respond to God. Friends, we need to have the words to share our faith with others. We need to have our words ready to share our faith with those who are not a part of the body of Christ. It says in the book of Romans, Chapter 10, verse 14, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, without someone using words? In 1 Peter three fifteen, 
reminds us to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. To be ready, to always be ready with words for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, if you are inexperienced, if you're not confident in this, that's okay. But I want to urge you to practice. To practice so that when you have opportunities, you are ready to share your faith. A simple way that I often think about it and how I should be practicing and and being ready to share my faith with others is there's kind of three different places that we can share our faith, three different kind of testimonies that we could have for others. First is the 22nd gospel presentation. Imagine you're on an elevator with someone. You got 20 seconds. What would you say about who Jesus is? 20 seconds. You can practice that at home five times tonight and you won't lose hardly just more than a couple minutes. But literally stop and time yourself and practice it out loud. You also can use a two-minute version of it. I like to think of it as like leaving a building and walking to a car with someone. So you're walking along the way and someone asks you and you have an opportunity to share about Jesus for two minutes. What would you say? What words would you use? Because saying things shapes our faith and it can shape the faith of others as well. So there's the 20 second, there's the two minute, and then there's the longer version. There's the 20 minute or even longer where you can share your heart, your story, and you can explain even in greater depths the love that God has for us and for others. Words are a resource that all of us are given. How are we using our words? Are we using them for great good, to speak life into people, to speak the gospel into the lives of our fellow Christians, to ourselves, and to the world around us? Are we using our words to speak death towards others, to speak hatred, to speak malice towards others? It's my prayer that our words would be shaped by Jesus and be words that bring life to the people around us. God, we thank you that through the transformation of our hearts, through the Holy Spirit, that we can be those who speak life and love to the people around us. God, would you help us to be those so transformed that we would speak the truth of the gospel with boldness and clarity to ourselves, to others, and then to those who don't know you. God, would we understand the weight and the impact that our words carry? Would you help us to steward our words well tonight and this week? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.